This is Mel Recall, episode 18. My name is Niall Hope, and as always, I'm joined by Aaron Cascala. How's it going, bud? It's going good. It's been a while. Let's get into it. Yeah, and today, we're delighted to be joined by our good friend, Mitch Meyer. How's it going, mate? Welcome to the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me aboard. Excited to uh, chat with you guys today. Awesome. And uh, as is custom in this parish, we like to give our guests the opportunity to bring an album to the table. So what do we listen to, and why did you choose it? Uh, I think today I want to talk about um, the 2010 album by Bring Me The Horizon, There Is A Hell, Believe Me I've Seen It, There Is A Heaven, Let's Keep It A Secret. I think for the rest of the podcast we can just call it There Is A Hell, because that's quite a mouthful, <laughs> isn't it? I, that's generally, yeah. I feel like, what people refer to it, but I yeah. figured for the introduction we could address it. Get it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we talk a little bit more about the album and why you chose it, um, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just letting us know kind of how you got into metal in the first place. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I figure ever since even like elementary school, I, I was kind of like, you know, I'd be listening to like Ozzy and ACDC and Metallica. So that was kind of always there. You know, I was like, um, I definitely have some vivid memories of being in like fourth grade and playing like Halo and Xbox and just like put glass in some Black Sabbath. Nice. And stuff. So that was... That was a little bit of my childhood. Um, Starting young. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, it was that or, um, you know, Nelly. It's getting hot in here. And, okay. you know, I, you know, I, honestly, I like that too, though. That's quite a blend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, like, that was kind of just like a taste. The first album I purchased with my own money was Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. Nice. So that's, that's a bit, a- you know, kind of like new metal but, you know... Um, Oh, that's who, a good one. Who didn't like that? It was, I mean, it yeah, up. they killed it. They like kind of invented a genre. <laughs> and then I would say like even that was like listening, but like when I really started like becoming like a junkie for it was I got into uh, my high school experience was like the MySpace emo uh, era. You remember that? There was like four years of that. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a thing. Um, so, you know, I got into like the Census Fail, Silverstein, and they were like, because even the other metal I talked about, there wasn't a lot of like screaming and harsh vocals. Yeah. So this was kind of an introduction to that. So they'd like do this singing the chorus and then like have someone screaming in the verse. And then right. from there it cascaded. The, the, the um, first like metalcore band that, and the reason I bring that up is because the album we're talking about is kind of of that vein. Yeah. Um, I would say is Plagues by the Devil Wears Prada. That's like all screaming, super metally, And that was... That was like when I was like hooked into like the the heavier mm-hmm. s- subgenres of metal. Nice. And so, you know, like you mentioned, obviously this album is it's certainly metalcore in some respect, but obviously there's a lot more influence going on. But when it comes to metal, would you say metalcore is kind of your main thing, or there's other ones mm-hmm. as well? Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I would say like probably. You know, I, I, there's a big, um, I like everything from, you know, I, I like pretty much every genre we can, you know, there's, there's a handful that we don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. that are kind of out there for me, but, uh, I, w- I would say like the bands I currently listen to that are in the metal umbrella are probably deathcore and metalcore, that kind of thing. Nice. And you're a musician yourself as well, right? I, I am. I play in a handful of bands and here in Brooklyn and no, no shows right now, but working on some recordings. Nice. Yeah. So, um, bring me the horizon. Um, when was the first time you remember 
hearing of them, getting into them, and why is this album significant to you? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I would say the first time I heard of them was probably their... What year was it? It must have been 2008, um, Suicide Season. Yeah. Um, so they had like... Was it 2008? Yep. Yeah, and, and and they had a single off that. I think it was a second single off that. It's called Chelsea Smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it was just such a banger. It just like came on at like a, you know, I don't know how I heard it. I don't even remember, but I was kind of like, um, you know, I, I listened to that and I totally geeked out on Suicide Season, which is also like honestly a top 10, 15 album for me. But, um, nice. you know, uh, so I, I got into them with that, and then I like went back to their like Count Your Blessings and some of their earlier EPs. Um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, I just became a fan of them, and then when like There's a Hell came out, it was just like, um, it had it had like all the qualities of Suicide Season I like, but they actually had some help with it. Like they had uh, Jonah Weinhoffen from I Killed the Prom Queen joined their band for only that album and he's like the best guitarist in Australia possibly and he's and it it kind of took this shape that for me was um, you know like they're they're, they've blown up now and like that's good you know props to them but this this album to me felt like almost like the most like authentic album Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to describe it besides that like every song it feels like oh this wasn't like written to a format this wasn't like like the lyrics are raw it almost sounds like it was recorded in a garage but like the whole subset of it is it just it kind of just sounds like straight from the heart it doesn't sound like um framed or overproduced or you know like let's try to write this kind of song it just kind of felt who, who knows what actually happened but that's what it, that's what it felt like hearing it well that definitely comes through in the research that i've done on the album um we'll get into this in a little bit but it certainly seems to be more of a an emotional album it's it's definitely from the heart and raw like you said um which i'm always a fan of like i don't think it's never criticize anybody for getting overly like opening up or being um, like emotional with with the music and the content but yeah that definitely that definitely comes through both in the album but also um in my reading up about you know the background to it but aaron um i'm interested to know kind of what your inter your relationship with the band is if there even is one before this album how'd you hear of them um no good question um, going back to Mitch's comment about the, the MySpace era, um, <clears throat> I'm going to show my age, but, uh, I, I was, as a metalhead, I was hyper aware of that. Um, I just wasn't one to ever dip my toe into that as things started to get more, uh, screamo, emo, uh, metalcore. Uh, this is actually a genre that I'm kind of, uh, just visiting for the first time, probably in the last four or five years, um. Which is which is fine, um, but I've never I've definitely heard of the band. I know I know of their reputation, and I know I know they've got a long history, but I've never, never I've never gone down the rabbit hole per se, uh, or taken the deep dive into this band. So again, it's the point of this podcast is to 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 expose ourselves to to genres and bands and things that we wouldn't normally uh, experience. So I'm coming in green, absolutely fresh fresh faced and green 
Some of the songs have not sounded so familiar. Not so much fresh faced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, cheers. Um, <laughs> Touche. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 a complete newbie. So um, yeah. Nice. Um, I I can remember actually this album coming out at the time. Um, my brother, if he if he listens to the podcast frequently. Will probably laugh every time I say that this band was introduced to me by him. <laughs> um, but between the two of us, he was definitely the more he was more interested in more contemporary metal and and things that were current at the time. And he's definitely more the metalcore guy out of the two of us. So I remember he he introduced me to this album, and I, I you know spoiler alert, but I think this is a really really good album. And um, I kind of followed them. I, I wasn't really familiar with anything before this album. Still, I'm not really. Like, if I, if I listen to them, I'll probably go back to this one. Um, but I did sort of, I followed up with uh, Sempaternal, I think, which was a, the, the follow-up release. But then dropped off as they started to become a little bit more uh, influenced by sort of more popular music genres you know i think mm -hmm. they're as you as, as you kind of track this band and all the genres that they seem to be sort of influenced by and and incorporate into their style they're definitely a band that has constantly evolved and probably not um probably not unlike a lot of other metal bands that i, I would consider to be sort of modern metal bands which are sort of catered to a lot of taste so I kind of dropped off after that Sempaternal album. I think there was some the odd release after them, but I haven't really sort of kept track. But if I was going back to them, this would be the album that I would revisit for sure. No, that makes sense. I I I, I did. <clears throat> now that I have taken the deep deep dive, I've, I've, I've it's it's very interesting and to see the the arc and the trajectory and the the journey that you've taken since this album. Uh, in all of its, for better or for worse, and, and, and all of its controversy, but uh, yeah, they're definitely, they've definitely stretched themselves <clears throat> over a wide range of dynamics. Indeed. So for anybody not particularly familiar, we've got just a very brief um, sort of synopsis of the band. So they were formed in 2004 in Sheffield, South Yorkshire, in England, um, and they today Today, they consist of lead vocalist Ollie Sykes, guitarist Lee Malia, or Malia uh, bassist Matt Keane, drummer Matt Nichols, and keyboardist Jordan Fish. But for the album that we are talking about, There Is A Hell, it was Ollie Sykes, um, Lee Malia, Jonah Weinhofen, which you already mentioned, Mitch, uh, Matt Keane, obviously bass guitar, and Matt Nichols on drums and percussion. They've had their releases. They've had quite a lot of releases. Um, and I was interested to ask you this question, Mitch, because it seems like when I read the Wikipedia, they are classes having six studio albums, which there is a hell is their third album. They've got two live albums, a couple of compilations, and they have two other releases which are classified as EPs, I think. Um, the most recent being uh, they just put out an album uh, or a release called Post-Human Survival Horror, which I'm not sure if it's technically a Bring Me the Horizon album. I read a little bit of a, of a sort of press release where they 
claimed that they were operating under the title under the name Posthuman, and it seems with their a lot of their latest releases they're into a lot of collaborations i think they collaborate with young blood and 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 um some other artists so hard to know essentially what is a bring me the horizon album what isn't and how you would sort of class that i suppose yeah well that's interesting because even i was just like kind of um you know as i was i was kind of like walking over here preparing for the podcast i was like looking up some years i was like oh when did um you know some of the early stuff come out i was trying to like remember what year and i saw actually on on their wikipedia page they 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 noted that their last album was Amo, which was 2019. Yeah. And I was like, well, I know they, you know, I listened to the new one. It does, um, you know, and it's very much of their new style. It's very like, um, you know, I, I almost would say that they're almost like kind of like the new Linkin Park. Like they they have like wide appeal. Uh, I thought about that too. They have like wide appeal now. They have like rapping parts. They have singing parts, you know, clean singing in addition to their... And they've had clean singing for a while a little bit. But yeah. that, that last album, Post Human, I don't see why it wouldn't be a Bring Me The Horizon album. It, it has some features, but like... Yeah. Yeah, but it's not listed on it's listed on Spotify, but it's like it's not listed on Wikipedia, it's not listed on certain sources as being a you know, a studio album. So I'm I don't really know the story at all behind that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um it's a it's a little hard to to understand that, but I mean, they've certainly put out releases considering they've only been around since 2004, which, you know, for a band is not a great like not a a great amount of years. Um but just looking you know, it's interesting, you know, what you were saying about where they are today. And I don't think you would, I think you'd be hard pressed to try and find a band that has had, and I sent you a text earlier today, Aaron, saying, have you listened to their first album? And then contrast that with the most latest release. And the, like, the dynamic is, is startling. Yeah. Um, they've, and, and I read something interesting on their Wikipedia page and, Presumably this came from somebody in the band, but, you know, it said that they've attempted to grow and change with each album, believing they should be different. So every time they approach a new release, it's not a continuation of a style that that was previously set. So even, you know, between There Is A Hell and Sempaternal, there's some change. And gradually over time, they've introduced more and more different um, influences. And, I, you know... Just listing off the genres that can be associated with the band is crazy. You have I've got a laundry list, man. <laughs> deathcore, metalcore, alternative metal, alternative rock, pop rock, electronic rock, um, dubstep, progressive rock, electronica. Like, and not all of those, I'm sure, are appropriate. And maybe that's people just at certain times. Yeah. It, yeah. But you know, it's. I think this album, um, interestingly, is is kind of maybe maybe it's like the sort of bridge from where they first started to kind of where they would end up going but you know i i can imagine um i remember them i can remember them being quite popular um around the time of this album and i think that they if i remember correctly they used to get quite a lot of shit in in the metal scene for for being like a band that was at the forefront of this kind of experimentation. And it yeah. does, it does put off a lot of traditional metal heads, you yeah. know, the, the, 
the type of people that would say they fucking love Slayer because Slayer did the same thing from the start of their career to, to the end of their career. Um, whereas other people are you know, more open to a bit of experimentation and, and more sort of fluid, fluid styles between albums. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I feel like the dynamic that they've chosen to like change for every, every record, there's... You, like, you might not have as many of those fans, like, for Slayer, who are, like... Like, me, personally, it's, like, you know, I don't really... Even their most recent record, I, I gave it, like, one listen to, and I'm, like, eh, you know, not really for me. Yeah. But now they're on Warner Brothers, and now they have ads on, you know, now you can hear their songs behind an NFL game, you know, so it's, like, there's... there's really? Bring Me the Horizon? I mean, you wouldn't hear this old stuff on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have, they have. But it is. Yeah, it's on TV. Oh, it's they're in, getting it's paid. In commercials. Right. Yeah, they're on the same label as they were. They them in One Direction shared a label at some point. You know, yeah. so it's like, so it's like there's. There's you know, controversy. There's like, controversy there. Every time they change, <laughs> they're gonna like alienate fans, and like I'm like, for me, I personally feel like it's it's kind of cool in a way because it's just like. Now that this record is just a relic, you know, there's nothing else like it. It's just this one-time thing. Yeah. But I can't, I can't really be a fan of their new stuff, and I'm sure that goes for a lot of people. But then there's like tens of millions of new fans. But that's know, so. that's interesting because I do wonder: are do they have? Are they the type of band that could maintain a, a like a die-hard loyal fan base with that kind of journey? Because, you know, are they David Bowie? In what sense? What are you just saying? Can they can they stretch themselves across a broad spectrum of musical talent talent talent? They, do they have the talent? Do they have the talent for different taste to be spread across an entire career? Yeah. And maintain a hardcore fan base. Yeah. Well, it's like because it because we'll get into it. They they are stretched. They are stretched. <laughs> well, it's like you were just saying, Mitch. Like the the latest album you can't really get into it but there's going to be hordes of people that will and there's probably people that love like it's the same with a lot of bands that go down this path right you know people that say like metallica oh yeah i love the old shit but right you know it's like they've probably got like a pocket of a group of fans for like almost every album because they change so dramatically it's like people that like the deathcore stuff people like the metalcore stuff and people that like their most recent stuff, which is really involving quite a lot of sort of more popular music tastes. One final um, anecdote: didn't know if you didn't know if you guys would know this, but um, their name was taken from a line in the film *Pirates of the Caribbean*. Come the on, Curse of the Black Pearl. I was I was definitely wondering where it came from. Okay, <laughs> there's a quote where Captain Jack Sparrow says, "Now bring me that horizon." All right. So Johnny Depp mm-hmm. yeah. thank you Johnny Depp an inspiration to us all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord so um, we're here to uh, talk about there is a hell believe me I've seen it there is a heaven let's keep it a secret we'll give it its full title one more time um, just a little bit of background on this one before we uh, move on released on the 4th of October 2010 on Visible Noise um and, you know, we, we just touched on this, but kind of described as metalcore, but they introduced um, elements of symphonics, 
electronic music. There's a lot of choral elements and vo uh, vocal samples. And also, and I mentioned this to you guys before we started recording, the inclusion of Skrillex, the American DJ, on track eight as well, which I think is called Visions. So if there's any indication of where the band was going, those aren't two artists that I would have ever seen together, at least not at the time. Yeah, I think they had similar hair. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. That's true. Um, but I think, Mitch, you talked about this just before about um, this album and uh, the sort of emotional content of it. And I, I managed to read um, a lot about this album and it's been described as almost conceptual for Ollie Sykes. Um, and it's, it's about, in, in, his, in his words, it's about a man battling his self-perpetuated inner turmoil. I think that comes across quite a lot. Um, and their sort of press release for the album said that it vividly explores humanity's collective good nature. Um, so yeah, read into that what you will. Um, and it, the, the band regarded it as uh, the lyrical themes almost being a consequence or repercussions from the band's previous album, which would be... Suicide Season. Suicide yeah. Season. So I'm not as familiar with that one, so I can't tell whether there is that link. But it, it's certainly interesting. I always like that kind of connection between albums. Um, and, you know, when asked about the album, Matt Nichols, who's a drummer... Um, was describing the, the darker and moodier side to the, the, um, the lyrics. Um, and uh, Ollie Sykes is quoted as saying, it's all about me. Everything I write is personal. It's all very true. It's stuff I don't talk to people about. But when I put pen to paper, it's a lot easier. So that, don't know about you guys, but that certainly comes across. He also said, people might think they know what I'm singing about, but they don't. They did not do the things I did, but I want people to be able to apply it to themselves. So I think, again, I think a lot of that is very evident in in, in the writing and, and the content of the album. Um, and uh, just briefly, um, this album was uh, greeted very favorably in, in reviews. Um, I'm not going to go into any details of those reviews, but... Kerrang gave it five five stars, five out of five, four out of five, um, four point five out of five for oh, Metal wow. Hammer and Rock Sound. So, again, um, a hugely successful album, and I I, could, I think it's you know it's I, I I look back and think of this as like being the album that really defined them. It's the album that I know them for the most, but obviously they've gone on a hell of a journey since then. <laughs> All right, so before we go any further, Aaron, um, do you want to give us a little bit of a, take us back in the time machine to 2010 and let us know what was going on in metal at that time? Sure. Um, <clears throat> uh, forewarning, I'm going to kind of blow through this because uh, I think past podcasts have been a little more limited in the number of not just amount of information, but it's because of the, the sheer amount of genres and with 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 more genres, there's there's more metal there's more metal news to report. So bands formed uh, a big one here, Deaf Heaven. Uh, just speaking with Mitch about Deaf Heaven before this, um, 
they called it hipster black metal, but whatever you want to label it, it's it's fucking incredible. Um, mm-hmm. So Death Heaven was formed. I'm not sure if their first album was released in 2010, but um, the title of that was. You just told me a minute ago. Did I? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm definitely. I'm certainly more familiar with their 2013 uh, Sunbather. Sunbather. That, that was their second. So. Was it? Yeah, their first one was called. I thought Sunbather. Well, Sunbather was the first one to put them on the map. I can. Yeah, I can Ro- definitely see Ro- that. Roads to Judo was 2011. Yeah. So Death Heaven is the is the one that sent waves through the metal community from from my experience. Um, so check that out if you've never heard of them. Uh, there were three pretty big, pretty big deaths in 2010. Peter Steele of Typo Negative passed away. Ronnie D- James Dio of stomach cancer, and Paul Gray, the bassist of Slipknot, died of an accidental overdose of morphine. We'll jump into albums that were released: Abigor, Arsis, Fear Factory. I'm gonna miss a bunch, but I'm just picking my favorites: Rotting Christ, At the Gates, a band called Daughters that'll completely fuck with your eardrums if you've never heard of Daughters Catatonia Trypticon uh, The Almighty Dillinger Escape Plan Bleeding Through Sick of It All Is It Metal? Is It, is it Hardcore? Uh, Deftones released Diamond Eyes uh, Propane <coughs> Niles, Niles a Fan Keep of Kalesen You're Not <laughs> <laughs> Flesh God Apocalypse uh, Danzig the Acacia Strain, Avenge Sevenfold, Black Label so- Society, Nile, yep. Helmet, Malevolent Creation, um, one of my favorites, Enslaved, um, released a fantastic album, Abigail Williams, and um, still still sticking to it, Gore, Gore released an album as well in 2010. Um, Are you a Gore guy? Not really, but... In the back of my mind, I, I can appreciate it for what it's worth. I'm not going to hate. A, it's a niche. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you uh, you blew through that, mate, and I just you missed off a couple ones. Oh, you always catch me. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just throw a few back in there. B plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rob Zombie released Hell Hellbilly Deluxe Two. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Soilwork, but Soilwork released uh, the Panic broadcast. Okay. This year, another um, great Swedish um, melodic death metal band. Sure. Uh, in line with In Flames, you mentioned Black Label Society. There's a band called uh, that I don't know if you've ever listened to called Volbeat, Danish band. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Johnny Cash meets Metallica. Yes, yes. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great descriptor. Um, they're they're a they're a fun band. Yeah, they, they released an album this year. Great hair as well. Um, <laughs> called called Beyond Hell Above Heaven. Yeah, great hair, rockabilly yeah. style. Um, and did you ever? Did either of you ever dabble with um, the the damned things? The damned. Th- oh, is that a side project by? Um, it was Scott Ian of Anthrax and um, Josh from. Um, no, it was. Uh, no. It was uh, the lead singer. Of I'm thinking every, of the, the Vultures, the damn Vultures. That's, yeah, you're thinking mm-hmm. of Josh Arm. It's um, yeah. It's members of Anthrax, 
Fallout Boy and Every Time I Die. <laughs> no, I've never heard of that. No, yeah. A, a, random co- a random combo, but they released uh, their debut album, Ironoclast, this year. It was actually a good listen. I would recommend you go down that route. It better be hole. if you're mentioning it. <laughs> but I might edit it out if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we judge a book? by its cover before we get into the discussion of the album sure I've got it up on my laptop if you want to take no you, I got it you as got well. it too I did not notice that what is it you, this is not an audio feature yeah <laughs> uh, it looks like there's a full spread oh I see I see I'm guessing uh. if you buy the album whether it's uh, vinyl or CD uh, it's a spread but let's I mean, let's get into it. It's 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 a it's a dichotomy. It's a split. It's a heaven and a hell. It's a black. It's white. Yeah, just just great, Aaron. You're always really good at uh, sort of giving us a visual guide as to what we're looking at here. So, yeah, we tell got me what this means to you. Sure, uh, we've got a, a a hooded character wearing a a metal bedazzled mask, a la eyes wide shut. Um, Eyes are completely blacked out, but this 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 image is divided in half. With one half of the hood is in robe. The hooded robe is black. One side is white. The black side has burnt flesh and, and, and burnt and cut flesh, while holding a dagger. The white, uh, I'm guessing the the whiter holy holier side, is holding the key, um, and is. The flesh is <clears throat> unscathed, but dead center of the chest is a is a, an opening shaped in the shape of a keyhole, and so you've got a dagger representing death on the on on one side, but you got the key on the other. So, um, yeah, we can take it from there. Is that the key to life? Do you think? I mean, it's definitely it's definitely well thought out. It's a little bit over photoshopped as as a as a photo retoucher myself, <laughs> but that was but that was of that was of the time. Uh, I mean, if not so, even more even more so now. Uh, there's there's like a Masonic element, very Masonic secret mm-hmm. society, eyes wide shut. Uh, it's definitely edgy and a little disturbing to look at. Um. I also thought there might have been a masculine versus feminine element, but I think I, I what I can tell is there's breasts on both sides, so it's neither it's it's mostly female, um, and so maybe maybe the part that gets cheesy to me is maybe the key to life is is in your heart, Niall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate! I mean that that could be it. I mean, I don't hate it though. No, I think it's pretty cool, man. I think it's pretty honest. sick. Like. I, every time we do this, I always think that we always we always kind of give a favorable response if it feels like it's befitting what what's going on in in the in the content of the album. And obviously, the title of the album there's a lot of conflict going throughout the songs, the dark side and the light side that we talk about quite frequently. Hundred percent embracing both. Yep. Um, this is more of a visual split, obviously. Yeah. And it's maybe 
it's maybe like you said is it maybe a little bit on the nose but the way it's been executed i think is 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 really quite nice and yeah i also like um the fact that it's just so clean of any other information you know there's no yeah bring me the horizon logo there's no additional it's just as a standalone piece of art i think it's quite cool yeah i agree i think it's i'm gonna say it's it's well thought out and uh, a bit of a bit of a masterpiece it's uh yeah it it encapsulates what you just said uh what what metal really means to me and i think you as well is is that you got to embrace both the good and the bad the yin and the yang which is a good approach and and manifesto for life mitch are you in favor or do you not like that shit I'm gonna be honest. I have a tattoo of it on my rib cage, so oh. I, I think uh, you you're know, joking. <laughs> check it you're out. You're joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, there we go. There we go. Yes. So you know, it's like a bit of a minimalist version of it, but you know what? Um, I, you know, I, it's, like I, it, I feel like wow. it, I feel like it suits the album so All much. All right. Yes. I think it's. I also love like you know the imagery of it. I, I love yeah. those. Um, not just for the connection, but like knives are sweet, you know. Yeah. Old yeah. creepy masks are sweet. Keep yeah. Old fucking thirteenth century UK <laughs> dungeon dungeon <laughs> keys are sweet. So like, what's, honestly, like, what's not to like? Like, I do, you know, it is like. Uh, I, I don't know who you said like on the nose a bit. Like, there's not much like. I think if you read the title and you see that, yeah. you're not like, whoa, like, where's the mystery? But. I think sometimes, you know, it's like sometimes with bands, it's like... Well, we don't have to ask Mitch for his rating, because we already know what it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite disappointed that you don't have just the keyhole right <laughs> in the center of your chest. To be <laughs> That'd be... Yeah, when I, when I, when I really get uh, familiar with a woman, I, I give her the key. <laughs> <laughs> I say it's time. Oh. Here's the key. Casey, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um... But, uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, the concept could have been executed a number of different ways, but I like, you know, what you said, Aaron. There's like a sort of, I don't know, like um, you said Masonic. Like it kind, yeah. of, it kind of feels secret like... Secret society. Secret society. Like that's, that's, what makes it, it, that's what makes it cool because, you know, you could have just taken like a facial expression or what have you, but like... Yeah, but it's, but it's but sick. but taking it even deeper, and I again doing my research. There's an actual um, they call it a sacred geometry. There's like mathematical sacred geometric shapes that are involved with secret societies and masonics. And so, if you look at the spread, I'm guessing if you buy the album, the CD or the vinyl, uh, it actually turns into a spread where the dark side is holding hands with the light side. And in the middle, you see that, uh, I think it's a six-pointed cross, which I think uh, I've seen some fans have tattooed as the six-pointed cross for Bring Me the Horizon. That's like some mathematical, sacred geometry, secret society. I mean, what, for whatever it's worth, it looks really cool. Some good shit. Yeah. All right, well, uh, give it a mark out of 10 then, mate. Out of 10? Uh, nine. <laughs> Eight for me, for sure. Mitch? I'm going to say nine. Big. Yeah, yeah. It's big. Nice. All right, let's 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 take a little break, get another beverage, and then let's uh, get into the meat of the discussion. Yep. 
All right, we're back. Um, so we're going to dive straight into top line, you know, what you guys feel about the album. Um, and Aaron, as the biggest newbie at this table, mm-hmm. I'm going to kick it over to you first. So first impressions on the album and kind of what you've felt about it since. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> what, what people missed between the break here uh it was um bringing in the um uh as you would you call it the, the the clean poppy elements to to metal who knew that those genres could could cross over uh i think it's probably the reason i i stayed away from the the myspace emo screamo metalcore uh era for so long uh so I just kind of visit, would visit it top level and never really take a deep dive. But uh, lo and behold, here we are. Uh, it is what it is. This album is... Uh, I was... What's the word? Um, not hesitant, but I was uh, skeptical at first getting into it because I know it's of that ilk. Um, you know, between the skinny jeans and the haircuts and... Thinking of Dan Gladden, I, I have to say Dan Gladden on the podcast. <laughs> if Dan Gladden had a metal band, anyways, um, what 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 astounds me most about this album, and we can expound more on this later about how and why this has happened, uh, both just just in the genre in general. But this album, for me, as a as a longtime metalhead, is a testament to the variety. To the sheer variety and range of things that can be brought to the genre, and so mm-hmm. I'm just gonna fire through a list of things that I heard in this album. I heard, I heard violins, I heard xylophones, I heard acoustic guitar, I heard double bass drums, I've heard piano, I heard synth synthesizers, I had, or I heard symphonic elements, I heard clean vocals, I heard pop vocals, I heard hardcore breakdowns, I heard guitar solos. I heard choruses, I heard harmonies, I heard growling, I heard the blah, maybe, at some point. Uh, whining emo teenage angst. I heard <laughs> screaming like you're choking on glass. There's like some um, some hardcore punk elements. There's spoken word. There's, the Brits do it best, there's call and response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's electronica, there's hip-hop. There's sampling, there's male vocals, there's female vocals, there's isolated vocals with the no instruments. Uh, there's clear songs that are just total anthems um, to be sung along to. Uh, and last but not least, there's even an instrumental <laughs> with an organ. So this album literally... My gut tells me that it's that's overproduction, but I also want to give the artists credit because whoever's behind this is uh, is really thinking about all of those things in a, in a in a musical sense. And so, whether that's too much or too little, or it's 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 overboard, whether that's good or bad, is is up to everyone's opinion. But I just I just was blown away at the sheer amount of elements that were brought to the fucking table for a metal album because yeah. you know you, you, you know I'm, I'm 
one might call me a purist. It's like, if you do one thing, do it well. And maybe spread your wings and, and dabble in this and that. They basically said, fuck it. We're going to do everything. <laughs> yeah. and, and based on the list I just fired off, I, I don't know if I left anything out. Um, but um, that's just my initial um, high-level approach uh, and, and opinion of this album was I was just impressed. It's, it's a praise. I'm just impressed at the sheer amount of elements that they bring to the table on this yeah. album. Well, I think it's... Um all of that <laughs> suggests that it's very eclectic. Yeah. It's very eclectic. It's um, not to get too Forrest Gump about it, but it is like a box of chocolates. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there is, You're going to um, edit that out, brother. <laughs> there's, and, and with that comes, um, there are going to be things that you think work and things that just don't work for you personally. There's almost something for everyone in this album but regardless of whether everything that you listed off and like a a strong i actually think that there's like these ambient interludes throughout right which personally i think really work because they just the album at, at times can be quite relentless and i think that they they, they, yes. they they pace it out quite well but regardless of whether you like everything that you just said what you can't deny is that the people that are doing it are very talented and know what they're doing. Yeah. I, I think that that comes yeah. across very strongly. Mitch, do you, do you sort of share those sentiments or have a, a slightly different approach? No, I mean, I, I definitely see that. And I, I feel like kind of the magic in the album is how despite like having all those elements, like despite having, I mean... You know, I, I can hear what um, Aaron's saying after listing out all those things, but I feel like maybe a bit of the magic for me is, like, it feels so cohesive. It works. Re like this, It just works. It doesn't feel like this song was, like, produced in a different studio at a different time than the next. It yeah. almost sounds like I could have been at a live set. Yeah. You know, like, the mix is very raw. The mix is very, like... The production um, is absolutely... Top tier yeah. production. I was that's that's the other thing that blew my mind when I listened to this album. I was like, I just I'm just so impressed uh, with with the production, the yeah. engineering. I mean, it doesn't. I, I know I know what you're saying, Mitch. It definitely has that raw feel to it. But compared to some albums that we've talked about, and, and yeah, the last sure. one, Scissor Fight, which yeah. sounded like. <laughs> You were listening from the inside of a toilet cubicle in a bar to, to, to a band. Like, Be nice. Well, it sounds like they did it like with intention. Yeah. You know, it sounds like that was like the sound design, not yeah. like. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, right. it's 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 it's, yeah. it's totally intentional. It's not mm -hmm. it's not done by a, a lack of skill. Like this sounds very very um, uh, sonically, it sounds amazing, but it doesn't sound clinical. Like it it does have. The energy yeah. and the atmosphere, and, mm -hmm. and I totally agree. I, I don't. There are some moments that like almost, they they feel quite jarring the way that you know things come together. But I think it's intentional. Which is, which is like, things we've just discussed. That's that's my issue with with introducing, um, certain elements and or too many elements. Mm -hmm. It, for me artistically it can be jarring. And so, and I think that's reflective in some of the reviews and some of the fans. And that's, 
you know, if that's intentional, that's fine. Uh, I respect them as an artist to do to do what they want to do. But the sheer amount of elements, um, it, it can be jarring. Mm-hmm. And the, Mitch, the, the, the way that all those disparate elements are kind of brought together, is that what you see as kind of the beauty of this album? Or, or what would you say kind of, what are, what are the things about this album that really meant you wanted to chat to me and Aaron about it today? What was yeah. it? So, yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, like, like what is like, where does like the, I don't really know the word to use, but where does like the quality of art come from? You know, mm-hmm. it's not like a particular metric. Mm-hmm. It's like a summation kind of, but it's, I, I think a part of it maybe. I think it's somewhat subjective as well, but I, it's I, entirely subjective. <laughs> it's it's entirely subjective. Well, but it's almost like this group subjectivity. You know, it's like because yeah. like you make something of quality and like a group of people like it, so it's not like exactly right. You know I mean? It's it's kind of yeah. it's. I, I have a hard time describing it, but I I would say for me some elements I could list off. Is I think the guitar work in this album is phenomenal. Yeah, like I think you know it's it's so not only is it high skill but it's so creative. Yeah, Yeah. you know like the note choice they're not sticking in like the Ionian like you know they're not sticking in a scale they're using all these blue you know like chromaticism and like blues notes and like all these things but not in a way where it gives off this like barbershop quartet vibe or (laughs) you know gypsy jazz vibe. Don't do that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just used in, um, yeah. I mean, certainly they're not the only ones to do it, but I, I do think like that guy I mentioned, Jonah Weinhoffen from "I Killed the Prom Queen." Like, mm-hmm. you can listen to "I Killed the Prom Queen." Personally, I think their vocalist is the reason they're not big, because he's so boring. But the guitar <laughs> work is like immaculate, yeah. and like I think he probably played a big influence on this album. So I think it, I think for one, you know, the musicianship and the guitar work is is great. And then, um, second, I think it's, it's the, I think they just killed all the mediums with this. They made it catchy, but not, you know, they, they, they really walked the line of like, you know, they introduced poppy elements, but they didn't make it too poppy. They put, they did all the things I described, but they did them well, is, is what they, I would say. They did them well. I, I whether you like it or not, they right. they, they they did it to to a T. I like for for the synth, you know the the synth elements, for instance. Like I don't think they did too much of it, and no. the guitar work. I think like it's like dirty and gritty and like all over the key, all, all over the fretboard in terms of like what key it's in. But it's yeah. like it's tasteful. I think the whole thing is just really tasteful. I think like the lyrics are tasteful. I think the guitar work is tasteful. I think the inclusion of all those elements Aaron was talking about was yeah. like not too much. It's spread out evenly throughout the album and I have I have a a newfound respect for this band because they yeah. like you said this they they spread all those elements throughout all the songs. Yeah. They didn't right. they didn't they didn't cram all these elements into every song. These all these things that I fired off and listed exist throughout the 12 songs. There are a couple of tracks that I don't think they needed the instrumental. Sorry. I'm just going to put that out there. Unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you could say unnecessary, but it's um, it's not something that hurts the length of the album, and it's not something that comes out of the blue. It's definitely something I think that you're like, do I need it? Like, maybe, maybe not. But actually, 
I, like I said before, I think there are some like ambient interludes throughout that yeah. actually just are like palate cleansers, you know, before you, you get back into it. But I just wanted to touch on something that you brought up first there, and it's the guitar work because um, I, I I think it's fantastic on this album. And I would go one step further and just say the whole rhythm section like together. And the way that the, you know, this is where I think that kind of you're coming from, like the sound and the rawness, like it's such a tight performance. Um, and I just love the way that when the guitars, like there's so much, um, there's eclectic sounds throughout the album, but then the way that they perform each track there's so much eclecticism in the way they do it. Like it's, it's almost like in a lot of tracks, they don't play the riff or the chorus or the verse the same way twice. And they mix it up and then it's, it's reflected in the drums and the way that they sync up together at times, I think is, is, is fantastic. And I think actually guitars are fantastic. There is um, a, one of my favorite, one of my highlights of this album is like the dynamic shifts that they go on through the through the songs from really up tempo chaotic moments to to half time breakdowns the way that that kind of that shift happens um i think is absolutely brilliant and just the the drummer as well on this album is absolutely killing it for me i think it's a it's a, a brilliant performance and it's not like you know like i said i think there's like eclecticism in the way that they play it like not playing things the same way twice in a row it just keeps on it kind of keeps you on your toes i guess is the best way i could describe it aaron stand out stand out things for you from the album like mvp moments like what would you say um <laughs> i mean <clears throat> my taste in in my age and my taste and predictability mm. it's going to be predictable but the um I, i'm going to retract what i said about the um the instrumental the instrumental was necessary because what's what's funny is in a weird way the instrumental basically sets up um the stage for for one of my favorite songs so are you asking me my favorite tracks oh you can give them if you want I mean any highlights man yeah I mean for me for me for me uh the vo you're absolutely right the, the 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 guitar work is supreme the production is absolutely the best um and it's always fascinating to to hear how how good production gets over the years with with especially with metal um but for me um maybe I'm jumping the gun but my my favorite song was was blacklist oh 100 <laughs> 1000% just checking just down at the end just checking it's, it's i was really i i when i got to that song i was like it was jarring and i'll, I'll share this because you surprise us with your with your tat with your uh with your <laughs> bring me the horizon tattoo <laughs> i'm i'm going through the album today and i listened to it throughout the week but i did it in the background while i was working but I got to Blacklist, and I was um, I was finishing up my dishes, and I had my cast iron skillet being cured. You know, after you wash it, you put it on the stove, and you turn on the, the oven. 
Blacklist came on, and I just lost my fucking mind. And it, st- it started smoking, and it set off my fucking alarm. I was like, oh, shit. And I had to fan the, fan the smoke from my smoke alarm because Blacklist just floored me. And then I listened to it like three more times back to back on my headphones. So I'm sitting here in my headphones and my apartment's burning down. That song is absolutely, that is flagship song on this album. That is the best song. It's the most straightforward, well-written, groovy riffs. It's just fucking pummeling. And I love that fucking song. And then the the next one is um, after the instrumental, The Fox and the Wolf, which is, again, I think a nod to the album cover. You can't run with the fox and hang with the wolf, the lyrics. And, I mean, that's just... It's just, it's just, again, it might be on the nose, but it's, you know, it's it, it's effective. And it's a good song, uh, both lyrically and, and instrumentally. And then my 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 third favorite song is a tie between Anthem, Alligator Blood, and Visions. Nice. Because those all include some call and response. They're, you know, it's called Anthem, it's anthemic, um, and... Sorry, mate, but the Brits, they do that well. <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah. sing along. You want you want a call and response. You want to sing along. It's like, yeah, I one, blame football. There's one thing that... Soccer. Uh, you might not be wrong there, but there's, there's one thing the British metal bands do well is gang vocals. and Gang like, vocals. There we go. That, that, that definitely has it, but um, Blacklist, mate. I mean, I, you know, it's... It, that's my favorite song on this album and it's not even close and, it, and that's not because the rest of the album is bad in comparison it's just that is a track that yeah. actually you know if I have, a, I have a as I'm sure you guys do too have like a, a playlist of your favorite metal tracks of all time mm-hmm. and that's on it for me because I mean it's just Gonna have to get my notes. The lyrics and the I'm just gonna try. The lyrics yeah, are the nasty lyrics, too. Man. Like that's that's yeah. a revenge song. Like someone and, and there's a video. The it's just it's just a again. Sorry, it's just a lad in in the British <laughs> countryside with a fucking shovel. I don't know if it's the official video, but it's just a British lad in the countryside with a shovel, and he's just kind of melancholy. Uh, but but halfway through the video, you realize he's carrying the shovel because he's burying a motherfucker. <laughs> and if you read the lyrics, they're not nice, dude. It's it's nasty. they're not nice lyrics. So it's like the back the background to the song is that it's about a former band member. I figured as much. It's called, nasty. Called Curtis Ward, and <laughs> they had. They it's had, a nasty song, man. They they had quite a bit of um, infighting in the band. Well, I think he was he was he was on the out. Uh, I think. I'm not sure. I don't think he was an original member, but he was on... He was on Suicide Season. Suicide Season. Yeah, he was a guitarist on that. So apparently they had a lot of fights on stage, loads of fights backstage, and they suspected this guy of not really giving a fuck. His heart wasn't in it. Yeah. He was more interested in being with his girlfriend. Um, but, I mean, even all of that said, like... Really, like the lyrics are so yeah. ridiculously brutal. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, fucking brutal, mate. If if we were in a band together and you were like, you know, my heart's not really in this, and I just want to be at home with my girlfriend, <laughs> I don't think that I would say stuff like, um, "I hope your queen was worth it." Do you still serve her on your knees? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and uh, I mean, you were always a prick, but we still seem to love you. <laughs> is the word cunt in there somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gotta use the word cunt. It, I mean, just, just listen to this. Well, I know I was a cunt in the final days. <laughs> it just filled me with venom, filled me with rage to see someone not give a shit despite all of this. I wouldn't see you around. I couldn't give a fuck. I'd rather slit my wrists than keep in touch. <laughs> I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, there's obviously more to the story than um, than just, like, he just wasn't into it. <laughs> <laughs> because if... if like if this if that's the standard for these guys, like you're just not into it as much as us, so you're on the blacklist and sure. you're a prick and, and fuck you and you're dead and I mean the last the last line, we're finished breaking our bones, dragging dead fucking weight. But I mean the just just the delivery of blacklist when he screams back blacklist on the chorus yeah. it like it make when you listen to that and the riff, like it makes your head shake and when when you were saying you were cooking today, I, I thought you were about to say that all your plates start coming out the cupboards and <laughs> smashing on the ground. Because honestly, like they just, I go, I go one step further. We talked about like um, highlights or what's the MVP of the album, and I think the vocal delivery, yeah, across the board, fucking fantastic. Like everything. Oh, sorry. But you don't miss a bastard when you're bearing his fucking cross. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking badass. <laughs> Just before the chorus as well. Oh, we're playing it after the podcast. A lot of good burns in that one, you know? It's, yeah. It's savage. Yeah. But it's you know, savage. You know, the, f- the funny thing is, the guy actually, they like mended fences and they invited him back on stage for a track. I wonder if it was this one. <laughs> 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 he just He just sat there like, Yep, that's me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it, I think the riff, everything about that track is just absolute gold. It's an absolute banger. Is that one of yours, Mitch? Do you like that one? Yeah, that one's... So I've, I've definitely like cycled through this because this has been like... You know, I mean, everyone's like favorite record, records kind of like oscillate a bit. But this has been like my top five records since it came out and its inception. I've, it's always on, you know, you, you do like the Spotify rewind, you see like what you listen to that year, and it's it's always like half <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, five years straight. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> Blacklist, my top track. Yeah. It's like, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, Blacklist was certainly a, a top for me at some point. Um, it's, a, it's a song that is. For any like guitar nerds out there, it's in drop A sharp, which is ridiculous. Yeah, but like it, it fits for that. Heavy. You like, know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's like they didn't just do that for it to do that. Like it actually it fit the sound. And I mean that ending breakdown is like one of the best pieces of music. Like oh, that. Yeah. Um, what are the lyrics for it? Like uh, I'd rather slip my wrist than keep in touch. Like that. Yeah. It's so fucking creative, like across the board instrumentally. But that was that was actually one point. When you said like, what were some of like the factors that make it one, you know, one of my favorite records is yeah. it, it's the instrumentals, but it's also like, you could apply this to indie, you could apply this to metal, you could apply this to hip hop, you could apply this to whatever. But it's like there's so many people who like sound similar, but it's like name another artist that like sounds anything vocally like Ali on this album, yeah, and like you can't because like it's very, it's so unique. Um, very like soulful like you can you can almost like hear his authenticity on it 
Yeah. And I think on Blacklist that that really goes through. I think um, Crucify Me is kind of like the, in terms of the, the track that's most representative of the album, I would say it's Crucify Me. Yeah. You know, they got all those like theological references and like you kind of see that with the album cover, like the There's a Hell. Oh, it's right out of the gates, yeah. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad you said that because that's, yeah. th that was my impression of, of, of going back and listening to it. That track encapsulates everything. I feel like that's like about. the summary, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say my current, my current favorite songs recently are um, Alligator Blood's been always one of my favorite. That one's fucking dirty. Totally those those yeah. guitar riffs are just like, yeah. there's almost this like, like, I don't know what the like folk, like folklore, like element to it, kind of like a ring around the rosy, like cadence. Oh yeah, no, it. you get that? Oh, yeah, totally get that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's um, it's it kind of got that going on, but it's like catchy, and then behind it is just these like monster guitar riffs. But well, it's yeah, I mean it's it's really catchy, but he's saying if the, the yeah. part that I think. <laughs> Oh, uh, hold on. There's two parts. So, are you talking about the part where he says, put a gun to my head and paint the walls with my brains? <laughs> That's certainly one of them, yeah. Right, yeah. It's, it's paint like, the fucking walls. My um, alligator blood is starting to show. I that, know that you know that. Yeah, it's just like, my know. alligator blood is starting to show, and then it's like a crowd, it's of, like a sea a crowd of British men going, yeah. I know that you know that, I know that you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, it's, that's quite pretty, because that's what you said. It's like, yeah. like the British culture the of like... Yeah. But... Um, it does. It does sound like a sea shanty or like a folk. Like that's what I'm talking about. You can imagine a, a football match. Old gnarly yeah. dudes yeah. and like some like back, the pub. backwards pub just yeah. playing this. Well, and that and I think like that's definitely like a stylistic device that was used, um, throughout the album. And and it's, and another one of my favorites was uh, visions. And and I wonder if this yeah. was a nod to Money Python because during the breakdown he goes, "Bring out your dead." Oh, and, shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys right, remember yeah. Holy Grail when they're walking through yeah. the wheelbarrow collecting all the people from the plague. But in, yeah. in the song, it's like literally one of the most brutal fucking pieces on the album. It's like the super low breakdown. I'd like, bet a paycheck. Yeah, I'd, yeah. And it's I'd, like... Yeah. The, the highs and lows like on this album from... You know, there's, there's a track right at the start. No, fifth track, Don't Go, which... You know, just from my preference, the more ballady ones are the ones that I'm not. That was so, my least favorite. So, so that was my least favorite. And it's it's not because I don't enjoy. And Aaron will know this. Yeah. Like I enjoy a good bit of melody. I like a bit of crossover. Oh, of course. That one just was a little bit too overdone for me with the the back and forth and the the. It, it was it was content as much as it was delivery. You know, it's it's very. It's 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 as soppy as this album gets, you know. Um, Certainly, yeah. Tell me that you need me because I love you so much. That that one. Um, listen, I'm I'm in touch with my emotions. I'm cool with it, but <laughs> you know, modern, I mean, man. Um, that's the teen angst. That's the teen angst bit that was like, uh, uh, from, teenagers are gonna love that one. Yeah, that that was for the ladies. Yeah, <laughs> and then you go from that to blacklist. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the like. You yeah. go, you go from that content yeah. to put a gun to my head and paint the walls with my brains. Like, I, I mean, I said this before. The the band, like in like, in general, from where they started to where they are now, is dramatic. But like in this one album, like 
the yeah. the like roller coaster of emotions yeah. and like mm. and and uh, this the sentiment and the way that it's delivered is is so like so extreme yeah and you know the there are just some viciously brutal parts on this album and I it, those are some of my like absolute favorite highlights and I, I think to be honest if I had to say there was like one thing that this album is fantastic for it's, it is probably Ollie Sykes's vocal delivery it's so eclectic there's so many things he does from clean vocals yeah to spoken word to like shouting slash screaming but with melody infused in it to yeah. just absolutely it's like savage a scream almost, yeah you know? and yeah. just like savage brutality. have any of you seen them live i've seen them i've seen really? them as well yeah where i i saw them at i actually saw them the year i think the year or this the year after this came out at I think I saw them at either one of Download Festival in the UK or Sonosphere. So you saw some of these songs performed? But at the time I wasn't really like... Right. And and I can remember kind of like... It's different when you see a band at a festival, right? Because when you see them in their own show, in their own environment, with their own set of fans, it's like it's a more authentic to the band experience where you see them at a festival. And you weren't turned on to them yet? At that time, no. at that time, that's, at yeah, that time, that's no. that's the thing. Yeah. But like, there's a bunch of when you go to a festival, there's a bunch of old school dudes, younger younger guys, like a blend, and, yeah. and like they were definitely getting some shit. Like, right. Um, I saw some interviews. They got they got bottles thrown at them. Yeah, and shit. There's also well, the, the lead singer is like was the poster boy for like the modern trendy metal guy. He's pretty. He was like a MySpace. He's pretty. Yeah. Front. You He's know, pretty dude. Frontman. I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but he's he's a beautiful person. Oh, he's, he, he goes against the metal stereotype, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all He's are. tatted as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you're... We're, hey, so, we're, yeah. We're, some of us are working on it, but, you know, we'll get there. My, my tattoo guy says he doesn't do hand tattoos, so now I'm in the market again. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, no, they um, also particularly around that record is... You know, they were, you know, I think Count Your Blessings or some of their earlier stuff is they were probably 17, 18. Yeah. Wow. And they, and Ollie, I, I think is, you know, you see the trajectory and honestly, it's like even now, like when they're playing their pop songs at like Madison Square Garden and then they'll like randomly bust out like Pray for Plagues off their like first record. He's better vocally than he's ever been. Um, I remember seeing them maybe 2013 at Warp Tour and like, Milwaukee or some shit uh-huh. in like the Midwest and he wasn't good like you, you can find shows of him on YouTube like hammering it around that era but I think he um, I think he didn't have like sustainable technique so I think he spends right. himself he'll like uh-huh. crush it one show but if he's got six dates like after it he can't do it so I think it's probably also I mean he probably could have just been bad like he's I don't around this era is like he would really like I remember reading some interviews about the recording process for this record and they're like yeah he's like he was bleeding out of his mouth like while recording this record I could so believe it's like, it on Blacklist yeah like, I can believe yeah, it so he, didn't, he didn't have like so he didn't have a vocal coach he didn't know how to, how to do mean, that and, and he's clearly gotten one since then like he can scream these songs like really well even though they don't make even though they just write pop songs now but like yeah sometimes they'll throw an old one in the mix like it it never ends off this album. They love playing that. That's probably the one off this record that they still play live as far as 
I know. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. Like, right. I think it's quite indicative of a band that changes so much from album to album, but like it, it feels like they probably, when they tour, they support what's most current. Because there's not, there's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it, yeah. but there's, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of like, a lot of these tracks don't seem to get the airtime that you'd think they would, because, I mean, it's, for all the reasons we've just discussed, like such an enjoyable listen. Mm -hmm. Just to bring things down a touch, I do have, and I'm interested to know what you guys think to this, I do have some points, um, slightly more critical points. Mm -hmm. um, whilst I really love um, Ollie Sykes's delivery on this album and the, the vocal stylings, like the highs and lows that we talked, about I, th I do think like the the way it's written and I don't know if you guys have been through the the lyrics so to speak it's it's so dense in kind of I think cliched meta metaphorical expressions there's got a couple of written down it's not all cliched but it's it's there's like a, a, a part in um, the first track crucify me where he says like Ladies and gentlemen, there's something you need Ooh, to know. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's uh, anthem, which I happen to really, really like, um, and it was one of the tracks that I, I said this to Aaron last week or the week before, whenever. Anthem was there was a number of tracks that I would listen to off this album before I'd go and play five aside football with, with, with mates back in the UK, because there are some tracks that just get you really pumped up, and and anthem is one of them, but it's. It's clearly been written as a live track, right? You know, it, this is an anthem, so fucking sing. Like, and then there's a part even in the track, which is, which I really like as well, the, 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 the breakdown where he just, he just screams, get the fuck up. But it's like something that you would say live. It's not necessarily yeah. something you would <clears throat> commit to record. Yeah. Um, he mentions, you know, he says, I hate to say I told you so. He says, man down in one, cross my heart. This is a call to arms. Like, there are quite a lot of things within the lyrics that I feel are quite cliched expressions. But I don't hold it, I don't hold it too much against the album because I think the yeah. way that they're delivered is great. But his, his lyrical style is more kind of... Um, it's kind of romantic in a sense that it's kind of a lot of expressions that we would come to know. And I have the exact same notes. I, I'm I, just gonna say it. I have the exact same notes, and it's it's it 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 started immediately when I because what what you and I have done as we do these reviews is I listen to the album throughout the week, and then before we do the podcast, I listen to the album and I read the lyrics in in as the song is playing in the media is like it's all cliche it's n there's nothing in my opinion that's like unique or special and it's all like you said like the song for me was um what is it home sweet hole it's like i don't want to die seems like i try like you can <laughs> you can you can see where they're going with the pop element it's like you can practically predict the lyrics um i learn from my mistakes don't we all um, uh, heavy as a brick. The truth is hard to admit. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, 
it, it's fine. I don't hold the I don't hold that against him because the vocal delivery is so tremendous and so good. But that would be my only critique of the album is that the lyrical um, the, the content the writing is pretty basic, and you know I think we were all on the Wikipedia page. He's been criticized. He's been criticized for how shallow and meaningless his lyrics are, and he's responded, "Quote." My life's never been that bad, so I don't have that much to talk about. So if you're, you know, if, if you're pretty well well off, Britain Sheffield, did you know? I mean, whatever. No, I, I don't know his story, but the, the lyrical content on this album is pretty. It's it fits, it fits for a metal album, but it's not. It doesn't move me, personally. I would agree. Besides Blacklist, which is like oh, so, that's, so that's savagely dude. I almost burned my apartment down. I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" That song came out. I was like, "This is the song." This is savage. And so, I mean, I mean, I mean, if anything, it's it's cool that because you did you did you did prep me. You said there was a song you listened to before you played some some soccer, and I was like, I couldn't remember which song it was. So it's 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 interesting that it's the same it was, song. It was that. It was alligator blood. Yeah. It was yeah. alligator blood. That all, one's fucking all dirty. All three of them have the most wonderful, savage breakdown parts. Like wonderfully savage. E- even <laughs> even though I just slightly criticised the content when he when he screams "Get the fuck up" on yeah. anthem, it's like it's fine. Like, you're going to right. it. It's you, fine. It's, you can do it. And uh, alligator blood just like. Towards the end, when like it breaks down and he's, he's singing, put a gun to my head and paint the walls my fucking brain. You know it's ah, it's brutal. You know, uh, uh, you know, Aaron, me and you have just said the same thing. It's like the the lyrics they they sound at, at the very worst, and and like this is this is uh, this is a, a heavy critique. They sound like you could have plucked them out of a how to write metal songs kind of <laughs> book, but at the same time, it's only when you kind of sit and read through the lyrics that you're aware of this kind of thing because the the, the way it's delivered is it feels authentic, and it and it's delivered so well. Yeah, it's just I, nasty. Ne- I never really picked up on how yeah cliched it felt until I read it. You know? Yeah, exactly. I I, I would have never known until I read the lyrics. Was like. Really? He's saying that? I think it's not, like, the most, like, clear mix in terms of, like, you know, like, like, I feel like if you just give it, like, a once-over, you're not really going to be able to hear the lyrics. Exactly. In, like, all the places. There's a lot of, uh... Yeah, yeah exactly. They're not, they're not, like, particularly high in the mix. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say... Kind of connecting to what you guys just said, I, I would say, like, it's not like he invented a bunch of really great, clever new metaphors for this. Yes. Exactly. You know, it's even like, like Visions is one of my favorite songs, but if I'm going to like suggest it to someone, I'd be like, start in the second verse. <laughs> just because, <laughs> because it's like, you know, this is a call to arms, like get your guns and get your horses. I'm like, you know, <laughs> like, let's just skip that because honestly, it's like, you know, like, yeah, of course. Like, cause he does thread them in. It's like, you know, on the, on the breakdown of Visions, it's like, uh, what's the lyric there? He goes... Um, so he goes, no, no, we can't leave till you tell me everything. Yeah. Like, tell me everything you need to know. Like, it's, you know, it's time to like bring out, like bring out your dad and all the skeletons you've been hiding. 
Yeah. Which I think is more like cool. You know, I think it's more, I think it's like a hair more clever than like the beginning where he's like, yeah. it's a call to arms. It's like a good war song. Like everyone man up because really what, what that I'm detecting is like, you know, the skeletons in the closet, yeah. which again, isn't like an invented metaphor. Like right. obviously that's recycled, but like it is like, it makes sense. It is like well used, you know, it's like yeah. bring out the skeletons in your closet and then like the breakdown, like bring out your dead, yeah. which yeah. is like, okay, that line in isolation wouldn't have made sense. But if you no, totally, totally. kind of pair with that. So I, I do think like, I think the lyricism, there are a few, I, I remember first listening to the album and like when he does the ladies and gentlemen thing, I'm like cringing. Yeah. But like, you <laughs> know, there's a, Fred Durst, no, I mean, there's Fred a few, Durst yeah. would do that, you know? The, well, it's very like Panic at the Disco-y, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very like, yeah, it's very like theater kid to kind of do like a ladies and gentlemen interview interlude rather but do you know I, what it reminded me of I'm glad you said that Mitch we we reviewed I, I didn't want to say that but yeah <laughs> I'll say you it, said what I was thinking no I mean it's, it's a masterpiece but there is like a moment yeah. or two that's like like yeah. that one's like probably the only actual cringe moment yeah. for me but it's like it's there yeah we, you know? we reviewed an album which I'm not sure if you've ever heard uh, Mitch by a band called Here's Legend um, called Suck Out the Poison right and that album was written in almost like um What am I searching for, Aaron? It was like um, fairy tales. It's a fairy tale language. Mm -hmm. So there was like reference to Goldilocks and and all that sort of stuff. And I kind of I kind of went with it. And Aaron was a little bit more critical. Of it. <laughs> and I kind of see this in a similar similar vein. It sounded good live. It's, it sounded. I mean, I think yeah. that's a great album. But like, it's it's a it's a similar vein. It's kind of what you said. There are it, it's. It's overwrought with tired cliches that sometimes make more sense than others. And actually, one other critique that I would throw in there, and I, I don't know whether you guys would have picked this up, but I think there's a couple of times during the album there is, um, not just vocally, but um, musically as well, repetition. Yeah. There are things that same, sound same, incredibly same, same, same bits. So, yeah, we just talked about this, right? But Visions kicks off with, this is a call to arms, so grab your guns and grab your, and get your horses. Anthem kicks off with, this is an anthem, so fucking sing. Mm. It's like... Formulaic. That's, yeah. That shouldn't happen. And then there are at least two tracks, but I think three, that start with almost the exact same intro. Anthem, It Never Ends, and Home Sweet Hole all start with this kind of punky drive-in downstroke kind of riff with the drums going but nothing else hard break no sound Drop. Every, everybody in yeah I, yeah it's especially anthem and home sweet hole but it never ends comes exact it come, is the next song after anthem that one that one kind of omits the gap but same there's a little, yes. there's a little gap yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's just a couple of times where you just think like you could have thought about like that's like yeah. just a bit like mm -hmm. formulaic but yeah i don't overall it it, it doesn't that's really, my only critique as well doesn't really hurt the album i don't think as a you know as a as a listen it's just if no. you have to get super critical yeah those kind of things well we we take the good and the bad well just like the album cover right yeah <laughs> um one one last thing before we get into um ratings i wanted to ask you is this a religious album 
I thought about that too at some point. Or is it just all metaphor? I think it's religious. Because, and you've obviously picked up on this like I did, but if you read through the lyrics, obviously the title of the album. Yeah. But there are numerous references, and knowing what we just, you know, what we just talked about, like uh, tired cliches, it could just fall into that. It's just picking up these uh, phrase, this phraseology that can be often attributed to any sort of religious speak. But there are, you know, the first tracks are called "Crucify Me." Mm-hmm. There's references to "Pray for the Dead." Um, there's a reference to an exorcism. Um, yep. In one of the interludes, there is a, a spoken word where some, where a girl says, "I feel as if my heart has been touched by Christ." Yep. There's reference to being saved. I was born in the valley. There were shadows and death. Yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot of religious overtones. Is it a religious album, or is that just coincidental metaphor? I get a response, but I'll let Mitch respond first. Yeah, I mean, I, I would use, like, context clues. Um, I think Ollie Sykes in particular, but the group is is fairly, like, almost, like, angry atheist. Yeah, right. You know, where it's, like, pretty anti-religious. I went down and, that rabbit hole, yeah. You know, like, there's actually one of their coolest lines on the next album is he goes, when you die, the only kingdom you'll see is two foot wide and six foot deep, which is pretty <laughs> rad, if you ask me. That's pretty cool. But um, yeah. I guess my interpretation is there. there is a field of thought even branching back to, like, the you know, the New Testament and, like, some religious texts, which is the hell and the heaven they're talking about, you know, is, like, the book was a metaphor, you know, there's certain people who yeah. follow it to a T and there's certain people and, and these people wouldn't really be Christians. They'd be more like, you know, yeah. philosophy people. Um, but that field of thought would say, well, the heaven and hell they're talking about isn't two places. They're like within you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more of the theme of this. Like, I don't think it's a religious album. I think it's, you know, it's it's the the inner demons. It's the addiction. That's just it's, metal. <laughs> And I, and I think it's, so I wouldn't say it's religious, but I think it's, um, and possibly the reason I connected to it so much is like, it's, it's, uh, the w- one thing that a lot of music, well, I mean, a lot of musicians do talk about it, but a lot of like, whether it's books or movies or, or, um, stories is, you know, they have the kind of hero's journey, you know, one, one, um, main character who's virtuous and good is doing their thing and one of my favorite authors philip k dick uh, have you ever heard of him he's a sci-fi writer oh without a doubt yeah so he he does a fascinating thing with his books and i think it, it, it'll connect to this in a second but what what he <laughs> i'm not going on a tangent it will be back drinks everyone <laughs> but um what what he does is the protagonists in his books are unbelievably flawed you know, they're like, they're not even good people. And I think that's more relatable because I, I, you know, I won't, I won't um, speculate on, on your guys' individual lives, but I think like a realistic story is one where it's not good guy versus bad. It's, oh, without a doubt. you know, and, and I think the Philip K. Dick books resonate with me because the main characters, the ones you're rooting for are like sometimes doing horrible things, sometimes flawed, sometimes. And, and I think that's more of the of the subtext for this album is it's not religious. It's, it's, it's measuring and analyzing the heaven and hell like within him. 
Yeah. And it's uh, blessed with a curse, like, you know, as cheesy as the delivery is, like, you know, like, I know I said I love you, like, but I lied. And it's not like the fucking Phil Collins song where he's like, because, <laughs> because it's more than love I feel inside or, Bol- or Bolton or whoever it is. It's just, no, I just lied. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not because there's something more than that. It's just, I, I just lied to you. And I think there's something, you're not a good one. I think there's something in any like honest human that can connect with that. Like, no, you're not always like the best version. Yeah. And I think like that heaven and hell within you is like a, um, is more, more on that level than like religious. Yeah, good fucking answer. Man. I think that's he absolutely <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, let's um, let's cut it there and let's let's go around the table. Aaron, we know your favorite track, Blacklist. That's the one you're gonna. Tell. I can't wait to put it on after we. Oh, me too. Yeah, <laughs> I want to fucking blast it. Quick, let's wrap this up. Yeah, <laughs> well, give me your, give me your, your score out of ten. For this um, album was that a five? 10. 10? It's always out of 10? Okay, shit. <laughs> you, um, you ask me this every single time. That's a, lot of num- that's a lot of numbers to remember. <laughs> 10 of them. I know. We've done, what, 12, 13 of these? Is this 13? Episodes. 18, mate. 18. <laughs> Christ almighty. Like I said, numbers are hard. <laughs> I think Aaron slept through a few of them. My, uh... Oh, man. I'm... Out of 10, I think i got to give this uh, an 8. Just because it's it's <clears throat> it's 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 not it's not a, a genre that I was familiar with, but I've 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 got a, a newfound respect for the the future that carries the torch and the way they interpret things and what they bring to the table and I think uh, based on everything we discussed it it deserves it deserves an eight it's definitely I I can't wait to to go down the rabbit hole on their other stuff but. The last thing I want to add on here with my review is I can't help but it's just something that's been on my mind and I know Mitch might know this band I can't help but compare this band to AFI mm. Do you know who AFI is? Yeah So I, I, I discovered AFI because of, of Hardcore and they're from the East Bay Hardcore Oakland East Bay Hardcore but they evolved into Emo slash goth punk and now they've even dabbled on electronica and so AFI has been on a on a, a trajectory that nobody could predict but you could see hence if you listen to their their early hardcore because there were massive misfits fans and gothic fans and so for whatever it's worth uh the point I'm trying to make is uh I could see this band like AFI starting in metal metalcore, whatever specific genre you want to call it, but whatever they become now, um, and I'm I'm willing to bet a paycheck they would admit this, their roots are based in metal. Whatever whatever mm-hmm. type of metal you want to describe, their roots are based in metal, and so um, I really admire that, and I can see it. It's written all over the, the album. It's written all over everything they've done post- whether you like it or not, and so that's why I give it an eight out of ten. Guys, Mitch, what about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I would say you know, at least 
250 days of the year, this is usually my favorite record. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna, you know, Spotify it, it's, always, it's always changing, yeah, but yeah. I would give it, you know, nothing's perfect. I, um, I think there's a few things that could have been better, of course, but like I would give it a nine. And what yeah. was your one, like the one track you would tell people to listen to again? I think it depends on the person. Um, I, I would say if, if someone's coming from a less metal-y background... Interesting. It's would, that kind of album. You're right. I would point them more towards like It Never Ends or I would point them more towards, you know, Blessed With A Curse. And if you if it's like a true metal person, I would, I would, I would point them towards like Alligator Blood or Blacklist. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to um, actually wrote this down, and you guys will see that I actually had seven out of ten down. Okay. But I got so excited talking about Blacklist that I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up to an eight. I think Good it that. deserves that just based on that track alone. I think it's um, like what we said at the the outset. It's so eclectic. So there's going to be stuff that you like, and there's going to be stuff that you don't. And you can. But it all it all knits together. I think it's a real fun listen, and just purely for that one track, it's worth that score. So, two eight out of tens and a nine out of ten. Not bad. There you go. And before we wrap it up, um, so what we normally do is just kind of look at the legacy of the album and and what it kind of meant to set lists, etc. So the last set list I could drag up for Bring Me the Horizon was from February 11th, 2020. And obviously with everything with COVID, you know, we're a little bit out of date with our set lists. But I kind of mentioned this before, Mitch, when we talked about this, actually from this, tri- from this set list from a, a showing in uh, Kiev in the Ukraine, um, there's a, out of 13 songs, they didn't actually play a single track from this album. But I don't think that's really... Um, I don't think that's unusual for a band that maybe takes on as much diverse change between albums. You know, probably kind of just play with what's sort of current. But unfortunately, you know, they didn't hit a track from that album on that on that one show. Um, but when we look at uh, albums played total, the albums that have been represented the most in live shows and. Obviously, this is limited to whatever information is reported on Setlist FM, which is our source for this. There is a Hell is fourth um, of the albums that have seen the most play live, with 1,308 times a songs have been played from that album. Actually, Semper Eternal, which is the album that was immediately followed this one, has the most plays uh, in number one. And songs played total, uh, songs from this um, album that have been played total by the band as um, reported by Setlist FM. In the top 20, you have um, Blessed with a Curse coming in at 11. So just outside. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. It Never Ends at 10 um, with uh, 344 plays. Blessed with a Curse closely followed at 11, 332. And then we have um, rounding out the top 20, we have number 17 is Fuck, which we didn't talk about. Um, it's actually a pretty good tune. That's yeah. A, that's a banger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I just realized that. Yeah. We didn't talk about that. You know, very quickly on that one, like that one's pretty fucking mental because it's like, it's half of it's like 
almost adolescent kind of angst talking about a one night stand but then it ends with my favorite melodic part of the whole album which kind of gets a little bit more deep and meaningful so it's kind of weird like it's a weird it's match. a fucking panic too, too. but it's, sonically it's just like a ma- it's like a beautiful mess but it also has some savage like savage breakdown and it's all good but yeah. an alligator blood comes in at number 18 with the 206 um 206 plays all right um so wrap it up there um if you guys like what you're listening uh, what you're hearing uh please subscribe to the podcast um you can follow us on instagram and twitter and email metal recall podcast at gmail.com for any comments feedback or any random bullshit mitch thanks for joining us mate thanks for the suggestion mm. and aaron thanks for joining me as always indeed yeah thanks lads Till next time. All right.